All right, folks, it's bowl time. We're getting ready for the Fenway Bowl. BC is going in their backyard to face a future ACC foe, SMU. We've got a SMU writer here to talk all about the Mustangs and look at everything that's going on heading into this game. This is an episode you ain't going to want to miss. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. This is Locked On BC. I'm your host, AJ Black, editor and publisher of Eagle Insider, part of the 247 Network. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Now, National Signing Day is over. We are back into bowl talk. We're at the Fenway Bowl, right down the street from Boston College, 11 miles away from Chestnut Hill. It's SMU and Boston College on the 28th, and we're going to have our big preview episode here, joined by Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how's it going? Going well. Very excited to talk about this game. Uh, it's been a while since we've been able to talk about a bowl game, and uh, it, it looks like it's on track to happen, unlike last time, so that's a good uh, change. Yes, BC has had quite the – they've been uh, a little bit – uh, bit by the the bad luck bug with some of these bowl games, and then uh, to talk about SMU, we have Jordan Hoffitz of Pony Stampede, a part of also part of the two four seven network. Jordan, how's it going? I'm good. All right, great. Uh, so, Jordan, I think BC fans, you know, we're getting excited to have SMU as part of the ACC, but we want to hear about this season. This is the final year in the uh, AAC. And what has the season been like? What are some of the, the big talking points about them around the Mustangs heading into the Fenway Bowl? Uh, I think this year was kind of the, you know, really even maybe the past three head coaches and a lot of almost kind of seasons that there have been over the years. Um, there was a lot of expectations uh, coming in. You had Preston Stone taking over to start uh, the highest uh, rated recruit for SMU ever in the, you know, ratings era. You have brought in, you know, a top, you know, at one point it was a top 10 transfer class. I think it ended around 13 or 14 uh, for the second straight year. Uh, just felt like they were kind of playing a group of five conference schedule with a, with a power five roster. All right, Mitch, you have a question you want to jump in? Yeah, so I think the biggest story, at least for me when I was watching SMU, is you know they have this high-flying offense. We'll kind of get in more into details of it uh, later. But uh, high-flying offense, a surprisingly good defense, and then obviously the big story recently is uh, Preston Stone breaking his leg in the regular season finale against Navy. Backup Kevin Jennings comes in as a bit of an up, a bit of a rocky start against Tulane in the conference championship, but then settles in and they're able to win that game. Um, and so I'm kind of curious about, you know, Kevin Jennings' story as he's going to be the starter for this game um, and what he brings to the table. And also, you know, how have they been adapting the offense to his skill set? Or, 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 or are they going to kind of go back to what Stone was doing now that he's had a little more time to prepare? Sure. Yeah. Kevin's a great story. Um, played at South Oak Cliff, which is a Dallas ISD school. Uh, his senior year led them to their first state title. 
uh, for any DISD school in over, uh, I believe it was over 60 years. Um, they then went on to win the next year and then played for another state title this year. So he was kind of part of that foundation that got that program going again. So when you think about it, he started a state championship game uh, to win a title for a district uh, that hadn't won one in 60 years, then goes out, starts a conference championship game for a, a school that hadn't won one in almost 40 years. Uh, but he's so his nickname is the Silent Assassin. He is a quiet, kind of soft-spoken kid, but man, he puts on that football helmet and you put him in the middle of a huddle and he just oozes confidence. He gets everyone's attention. He gets everyone to rally around him. Really good kid. Um, as far as kind of what the offense does, they really won't change a lot um, of what the offense is and what they do but they will kind of allow like you know all of the coaches said throughout allow Kevin to be Kevin he's going to be a little bit more of an improviser uh at times where Preston might allow the play to maybe develop a little bit more um and certainly got to that point through starting quite a bit this season uh Kevin is a little more likely to probably uh maybe bail a little bit on the original play call and, and try and make something happen. Uh, he's more of a runner than Preston. Preston's a very uh, athletic uh, guy who can take off and do a lot of things, but Kevin uh, is probably a better athlete. Um, and just, I think what you saw in the conference championship game was just his ability to extend the play and then kind of in a Patrick Mahomes style sort of, whether it's a sidearm or whether it's uh, off the, you know, off his back foot, kind of make a throw uh, and kind of throw a receiver open in a situation where you thought the play was was probably dead. Um, you know, just a guy that he's kind of been thrown into some situations. Uh, last year, his first game, he came in the first half when Tanner Mordecai was out of the game with a concussion. Preston made his first career college start broke his collarbone late in the first half Kevin comes in that game finishes out the game they win uh led a couple games later uh led a 90 yard touchdown drive that was key in a win against Memphis um he played late in the Rice game led a field goal drive in a game that they won by five on the road uh there was a two-point game when he came in and gave him a little bit of breathing room. So he's kind of had these smallish moments throughout the last two years. Uh, and that AAC game championship game was kind of finally his chance to really go out there, get the start and, and put a full four quarter uh, performance together. Well, Mitch, that sounds terrifying. A, a quarterback that can extend plays and, and improvise against a BC defense that seems to break down as they go along in a game. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of been the bane of their existence this season. So, you know, you you, you see that SMU's bringing on a backup quarterback for this game and think, oh, maybe things will be a little better. But I, I don't think that's going to be the case in this game. All right. In a moment, we're going to talk about SMU's offense. We'll dive deeper. I'm, Mitch has some more questions he's going to want to ask. But before we do that, 
Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The spread is so easy to use. The, the app is so easy to use. It's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Last I checked with the FanDuel, if you're outside of the state of Massachusetts, I believe the spread is 9.5 in this game. I hate to be a Debbie Downer, and but Mitch and I keep things real here. I don't think BC is going to get cover that. And so we're going to, you know, if you're on FanDuel and you're feeling the same way, you're feeling like this is going to be the end to a tough, tough season. You can go over there and you can make your bet as well. Or you can go the over under. If you think they're going to score more points, go under whatever you want. It's easy to find the bets that you want to do and you get paid instantly. And that's what makes FanDuel so great. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Locked on BC, AJ Black. Thank you all of you who have made Locked on BC your everyday podcast. Uh, we are the only daily Boston College podcast out there. It's an illness that we have, and you we're so glad to have you all there. People out there, and Jordan might be surprised that there's people out there that really do care about BC sports, and you guys are part of that, and we love having you here listening to us every single day. All right, Mitch, What I know you have been diving into their offense, and you have some questions for Jordan, so I'll let you uh, start it off. Yeah, so the thing I've noticed about SMU in most of their games is they're able to get on the board really early and get on the board big, scoring early, quickly, and often. Um, And obviously, it's changed a little bit with Kevin Jennings, uh, but Jordan, I was hoping you'd kind of take us behind the scenes of uh, kind of what Rhett Rhett Lashley is trying to do on offense. So I know that you guys, your quarterback's coach is now Duke's offensive coordinator, and then a name that some BC fans might remember, Derek King was promoted from offensive analyst to QB's coach. So I don't imagine that'll change many things, uh, but just kind of interested on your opinions on, you know, what SMU's offense is trying to do. Uh, SMU's offense has been an interesting kind of follow this season. They have so many weapons. I think pretty much their entire receiving core uh, was pretty much, or at least outside receivers were all, four-star transfers uh, who had either been, this was their second year. uh, Most of them, it was their first year. They brought in two former four-star running backs um, to join the five-star running back transfer they got last off season. And so there were just all of these weapons and it took it, took them honestly a little while to kind of figure it all out to kind of figure, you know, what receivers did well in what routes, uh, you know, kind of the use of the running backs. Um, also, the availability of the running backs. I think it wasn't until maybe the Memphis game that they actually had all three of their top running backs available in the same game. Uh, but they kind of found their rhythm uh, at certain points of the season. And it's just, it's an offense that lends itself to big plays. They will, it'll be third and two, and they'll throw a deep, you know, 40-yard pass on it because they just feel like with the talent that they have, that's almost as likely to hit as gaining two yards on a run. Um, They did that against Memphis first drive. You know, they're kind of in field goal range. They're kind of not. Fourth and two, fourth and three, it's a 47-yard touchdown pass to the tight end. Um, And so it's just, I think it's so hard for defenses because, they do throw the ball on running downs and they do so to a lot of really talented receivers. 
Yeah, I think the interesting thing that I found when I was studying them is they really, uh, there are, like you said, a lot of good players, but especially I would say in the passing game, there isn't one player that is the primary threat. I know that RJ Maryland, former BC commit that flipped, uh, leads them in targets, leads them in, I think, receiving yards, but not receptions, is the leading target getter. But after that, it's like five or six guys that are all about the same statistically in the passing game. And I, running game, I believe Jalen Knighton is kind of the lead guy. But like you said, there's, they were kind of banged up. So they've cycled through a lot of players. Um, so based on kind of the late trends in the season, who are you expecting to kind of be the starters and who are expected outside of Maryland as we expect him to be the main guy, but any other positions, who are you kind of expecting to be the primary guys for this game for the Mustangs and their offense? Well, and, and that's kind of what they've done well with is I don't think, you know, they have a handful of guys uh, that have entered their name in the portal. None of them were really big contributors. So I think really you're going to see the same football team that played in the championship game against Tulane. Um, you know, I think Jalen Knighton will start at running back. That's kind of, he's been their kind of first guy out and then give him a drive or two and then give LJ some reps and then just kind of depending on, on how they do and how certain drives go. Uh, those are really their top two guys. Um, receiver wise, uh, I would expect uh, Roderick Daniels Jr. to start in the slot. Um, he's kind of their Swiss army knife. They'll do a lot of uh, inside toss uh, plays with him, screen plays with him. They'll even line him up in the backfield from time to time. Um, outside, I would say you're probably looking at uh, Moochie Dixon really finished the season strong. Um, but, I mean, really, they've got four guys that just kind of depending on what their kind of script for the first bit of the game or where they end up getting their the ball on their first possession. I mean, really, you've got Dixon, uh, Keyshawn Smith, Romello Brinson, and Jordan Hudson, who are all starter caliber uh, outside wide receivers. Well, I'm not sure if you know, but BC is pretty depleted in the secondary due to uh, suspensions, injuries in the portal. So I can't imagine this isn't going to be a, and also BC, even before that BC was struggling at preventing explosive plays in the passing game. So even though this is, uh, you know, it's backup quarterback, a step, pretty much a ro- you know, as much as a road game as a bowl game can be, Uh, for any team and in weather that might not be the friendliest of confines. And it also looks like it's going to be a rainy day that day. So, but regardless of all that, I I have a hard time believing that SMU is not going to have a big day throwing the ball, even with all those kind of external factors going against them. All right, let's flip the script and talk a little bit about the defense. Now, BC has been one of the better running teams in the country. Their rushing attack with Thomas Castellanos and, and Kai Robichaux has been, you know, top 15 in the country, but on the, on the flip side, SMU's rushing defense has been one of the best in the country as well. What really makes the Mustangs defense so dangerous and why, why have they been so successful this year? It's the defense has been a fun watch because that's been SMU's kind of Achilles heel. They'll have these explosive offenses that can score 40, 50, even 60 a game and a defense that will manage to give up anywhere from one to 10 more points uh, than that. Uh, Scott Simons has done a great job uh, as a defensive coordinator. Uh, he also works with the safeties, uh, done a great job with that assistance group. 
And honestly, they'll be upfront about it. They knew their defense last year wasn't good enough, and they hit the portal hard, and they got quality players with experience and then got them to buy into the defense. That then brought up the level of the guys who did come back um, and really made it a, a scary unit. Um, a couple of the biggest pieces, one of them literally, Jordan Miller, uh, defensive tackle, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 300-something pounds. Um, he just he absorbs blocks. I mean, he is going to be a guy that can generally – take up two offensive linemen and that frees everybody up uh, around him. Uh, next to him at the other tackle spot is Elijah Chapman, um, who probably can outbench just about anybody who plays football in the country. Uh, when they did their test, I think it was 47 reps of 225 uh, that he finished with. Uh, so he's he's not the biggest guy, but he's just so strong. Um, and then Elijah Roberts is another uh, guy that they picked up in the transfer portal that is his body type is kind of in between an edge rusher and an inside defensive lineman. Uh, so SMU said, what the heck, let's uh, use him as both. And so some downs he'll be on the edge and rush the passer. Uh, sometimes he'll be in the middle. Uh, and really that defensive line has just made life for everybody behind them easier. Um, you know, their secondary is upgraded. Their linebackers were really good. But in the trenches, uh, those three guys, and, I mean, really they go eight, nine deep. I mean, you'll see, it looks like a hockey shift change sometimes uh, in the middle of the drive, and they'll just send four brand-new defensive linemen out there and you really don't see too much of a drop off. Yeah, I've I had a really good interesting time watching Elijah Roberts because, like you said, a very dynamic player. Um, I think that that's the matchup that I think is really interesting in this game because BC's offensive line is very good. Uh, both I would say as run better as run blockers, but still very good pass protectors. And they're keeping both of their guards, who are graduate students, who are expected to go in the draft this year. They're both playing, which is kind of surprising given the trend we've seen these last few years about you know, lower level bowl games. Um, so that's great for BC. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how that matchup plays out between this very strong defensive line and BC's very strong offensive line. The thing that I'm curious about with SMU is that Thomas Castellanos is an exceptionally, he, he honestly, he, when I was watching Kevin Jennings, he kind of reminds me of Thomas Castellanos and that he's a relatively smaller, but explode, but explosive runner. Um, and Castellanos had a you know big day against Florida state running the ball has been a very dynamic threat on the ground both as a uh, both as a scrambler and on designed run so i'm curious about how smu has handled mobile quarterbacks this year sure well and the fun fun funny however you want to put it uh smu actually saw him a little bit he got some mop-up time uh yes. when smu played at ucf last year to him pretty good so i don't know that they have i don't know that he really ran much of the offense uh at that point but uh, they have seen him on the field uh, a little bit, which is kind of interesting uh, going into a matchup like this. Um, you know, it's hard to say because really probably the best mobile quarterbacks that they played, they played early in the season when they maybe weren't quite as gelled as they are now. Um, you and know, playing they, against playing against Navy isn't exactly the same thing. <laughs> no, not not at all. And uh, and even as good as Michael Pratt is, you know, conference player of the year, he's not really a dual mm -hmm. threat guy. 
Um, but I mean, they played Dylan Gabriel, you know, up at Oklahoma early in the season and really looked pretty good against him. Um, you know, Chandler Morris at TCU before he ended up getting hurt. Um, and he was able to do some things. But again, those are games where you're like, man, if they played right now, what would that match? You know, those kind of close road losses, what would those look like? Um, you know, Charlotte had a quarterback. Uh, they kind of did a two-quarterback system. But really, their mobile quarterback wasn't really a threat to throw it. Um, so they don't really have a ton of experience especially recently against a quarterback with this style. So I think that's going to be interesting. I actually asked uh, Coach Simons if it's kind of fun to scheme as a defensive coordinator to scheme an offense that maybe you haven't really seen a lot of during the season. Uh, he quickly retorted that he would rather play a statue at quarterback uh, than one with the <laughs> athletic ability uh, that Thomas has. Um, but I think what you get with the SMU defense is you get a lot of guys who know what their job is on a certain play and do their job. And that's something that has not always been the case. It's always been, you know, maybe eight guys running the right play and three guys trying, whether trying to be a hero and getting out of their gap to do something they shouldn't, you know, 10 and, you know, some combination of not 11, and really this year what they've done is they've got 11 guys who are on the same page that trust the guy next to them to do their job so they know they can just do their own job. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing against a quarterback like this of, hey, I just need to keep my job, do it, and as long as I do my job and he you know scrambles out here, I can just kind of pass that off to the person next to me whose job it is kind of in that area. And so I think that's the one thing that will help a ton is just it's a very sound defense that I don't think will be caught watching kind of a little bit. I think they're going to go out, know what their job is, and let each of the 11 uh, take care of their own own business. Huh. All 11 defenders doing their job at the same time. That sounds like a novel concept. Yeah, we're a little jaded here at Locked On BC. Well, uh, and in all honesty, like I said before, this year that that wasn't SMU football either. So it's uh, it's been a fun change of pace for for a lot of uh, SMU fans this season in that regard. All right, we're gonna wrap things up in just a moment. We're gonna have some final thoughts about the game, and I'm gonna ask a little bit about thoughts about SMU joining the ACC. Now, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your teams faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast variety of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the place to hire. If you're looking for a manager, you have specific things you're looking for. Just go on LinkedIn. With hiring easy, you, you have tons of candidates at your fingertips. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even have launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the job process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. <clears throat> this is Locked On BC, AJ Black. 
publisher of Eagle Insider, part of the 247 network. Just as a reminder, on 247, we have a special deal until January 2nd, 60% off our VIP subscription for the year. We've had a ton of new subscribers. We've had over, we've almost doubled our our subscriber base since I took, took over about a year ago. We want to keep building. We want to have you join us too. Right now you can join. It's about $3.40 a month. You're going to get excellent coverage from myself, Scoops. I mean, I'm talking to the staff all the time. Mitch knows his stuff. We got Beacon Street Ball talking about basketball. We've got a ton of information. It's a great deal. Treat yourself. You got that little Christmas check that you just got in the mail from grandma. Use that to get yourself an Eagle Insider VIP subscription. All right, wrapping things up. All right, so what what are your thoughts about this game? Do you think SMU is is a superior team? Because as you can hear by the uh, chuckles by me, Mitch and I, uh, we're not having much faith that BC can hang into this game. I I think uh, on paper, certainly, I think what SMU has put together this season, um, kind of from top to bottom, you've got a lot of guys that are very motivated to not let not let any of anything that happens in this bowl game kind of take away from what they've done this season. Um, I think you've got, uh, you know, coach Lashley has talked a ton about how whatever happens in the bowl game won't, you know, define this season, but I think it would leave a bad taste in, in these guys mouths if they go out and after everything they've done, lose the bowl game. And so I think you definitely have a, a motivated uh, SMU team uh, to win this bowl game. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, like you said, you know, you had a few guys, a few, few guys transferring out, but they might not be particularly uh, impactful or uh, <laughs> high high usage players. And you know, just tracking the you know cycle of recruiting, it seems like SMU is going to be dipping deep into the portal again this off season. Um, so, like you said, uh, this is a Power Five roster against a Group of Five schedule. So, what are the what's the kind of mood around? the SMU fan base about coming to the ACC next year. There's so much excitement. There have been so many almost and so many things as far as conference realignment over the last, you know, 10 plus years. I mean, going back to the big East, I mean, SMU had an invitation to the big East. They had accepted it. They had everything rolling until, uh, you know, the basketball schools decided that's not the direction they wanted to go. And the American was uh, was created. You know, there's always been every time anybody talks about Big 12 adding teams, SMU has always hoped that they've been in the mix. And then the whole big uh, Pac-12 ordeal of, uh, you know, the commissioner being on campus and all of that stuff, uh, feeling like that was almost there and then it falling apart. It just kind of seems like, oh, the weight of, 40 years pretty much has been lifted off of this fan base. And uh, I think you've seen it. I think, uh, you know what, they raised a ridiculous amount of money in the seven days following the announcement. Um, I think, you know, when you look at their high school commits, I think a handful of them flipped back to SMU uh, after the announcement was made. I think there's just a lot of momentum uh, and excitement with this of kind of finally we felt like we've been so close. We felt like we've kind of deserved this to an extent. And uh, and finally, it's here. Well, hopefully Florida State doesn't blow this all up. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Jordan Hobbs says, thank you so much for being on our show. we got to wrap things up. Uh, this will be the, you know, we'll have to talk again in the fall when we, uh, BC heads to Dallas to face SMU. Well, 
pending schedule doesn't blow up. Uh, thank you so much. Where can people find you and find your work? Uh, yeah, ponystampede.com, part of the 24-7 network. Uh, obviously, on that end, excited to, uh, on a personal and professional level, uh, having some more more conference uh, teams affiliated with 24-7 and, and kind of build that a little bit. Uh, Twitter, at Jay Hoffeditz, uh, is where you'll find pretty much everything. The Pony Stampede podcast can be found on the uh, 24-7 uh, network and uh, Apple Podcasts. All right, Mitch, where, people can find, where can people find you? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Uh, and as I just said, make sure you're checking out our work on Eagle Insider. Uh, you know, this is a transfer portal dead period, but we're hearing some interesting murmurs that are happening. So that's always fun to keep track of. And obviously, uh, we have the coverage of the bowl game. I'll be there in person. Uh, looks like it's going to rain. Thank God I'll be in the press box. So uh, just make sure you check out, keep your eyes on Eagle Insider. All right, this is AJ Black. Follow me on Twitter at AJ Black247. And again, on Eagle Insider. Thank you all so much. We'll be back again tomorrow as we continue our march towards the Fenway Bowl. Mitch and I will go over our thoughts of the game, look at everything in between, give our picks, our FanDuel picks of the week, and everything else that you want to know. Thank you for listening to Locked On BC, your team every day. I knew it,